Every day, our world gets a little more connected, but a little further apart. But then, there are moments that remind us to be more human. Thank you for calling Amica Insurance. Hey, uh, I was just in an accident. Don't worry, we'll get you taken care of. At Amica, we understand that looking out for each other isn't new or groundbreaking. It's human. Amica, empathy is our best policy. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Well, a lot of things happened today that we've been waiting for for a long time. The Cleveland Cavaliers will play the Golden State Warriors. We're going to talk about whether this is maybe the most anticipated finals ever compared to some of these historically. Talk a little bit about this game and this series. And then the other thing we've been eagerly, eagerly awaiting for a long time is the Boston Celtics offseason has now begun and we are going to preview that, get deep into the weeds for them. We're sponsored today by Betterment. Go to betterment.com slash cap space to get up to six months of no fees with lower cost automated investing. The cats are fired up for this podcast. They cannot sit still, but nonetheless, we will soldier on here on the Dunk Time Basketball Podcast. Let's start by just, I don't want to get into the nitty gritty of this finals matchup, Danny, but can you think of another one historically that featured this much star power would, would have been this anticipated, would have just been a better a matchup between two better teams even? It's fascinating because yeah, the the seven all-stars, the, the history between these two teams, the fact that both teams have already won a championship like Get not only against the other but on the other team's home floor like there, there are a lot of different capabilities and this is not a situation like and i'm not comparing these two miami and okc where okc you go wow look at all the star power they're going to have this is in their prime or awfully close to in their prime legitimate star power i mean to me you're going back to some of the best lakers celtics ones or if we dig into when the league had a, a lot fewer teams then maybe you could get into some of the star power stuff then too yeah i mean since since the merger, 1983 would be the third time in four years that the Lakers and Sixers actually matched up. The Lakers having won the previous two, but that Lakers team, James Worthy was injured. He, he was only a rookie at that point. And the Sixers in the midst of the faux, 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 or one of those 4-1 uh, team, which was obviously a great team, they ended up sweeping the Lakers. But certainly you could imagine there would be quite a bit of anticipation for that one. The first Bird Magic matchup in the finals and then maybe the repeat of that in in 85 and then 87. I mean, those would have to probably be up there. Jazz Bulls in 98, just because the Jazz had home court advantage and actually had the same number of regular season wins as the Bulls that year. But both those teams were a little bit older on the downside. That wasn't the the best Bulls team. Certainly no finals featured this amount of star power over the next 10 years after that. Maybe 2008, which ended up being a Celtics blowout, but the Lakers were actually favored coming into that. 
Well, something else to put into this whole thing is you and I did a podcast of who we thought were the 10 best players in the NBA, not our MVP discussion, which, which that our discussion on the, the 10 best players in the NBA. This series has three of the top four on both of our lists. Yeah, that's good. And then obviously you've got four other all-stars aside from those three players uh, and, and then some great role players as well. Second best player of all time, two other top 22 players. Uh, KD was 20 or 22 and... And Steph was 20 when NBA, uh, NBA all-time ranked by ESPN came out last year. So, but the fact that this is now the third time that they played, the fact that this Warriors team has been the best team ever over a three-year period in terms of regular season wins, but that Cleveland still beat them, and now there's the revenge factor there that we've added Kevin Durant. Although I would, I honestly, I would be more excited for this series if Kevin Durant were playing in it, um, because I think it would be a pretty even matchup in that case, and it would be that same team, same Warriors team trying to get revenge. Uh, well, and we but, haven't mentioned the other important part of this is that knock on wood, as of now, these teams are both healthier than they've been for either of the previous two finals yes that's a great point and hopefully we'll see just really really high level basketball and then you also look at the fact how much these teams dominated although both of them had relatively easy paths but uh i mean another one you could look at maybe would be 2014 uh the rematch of spurs heat but i think everyone knew at that point that that heat team was kind of nearing the end they just didn't have the role players wade was hobbled it was basically just lebron and bosh and nobody else really and you know it made plenty of sense that the heat got worked in that series so yeah, I mean, I can't certainly since 1987, I don't think there is one that was as good of a matchup coming in. Um, and we already talked about how we thought that game seven going into it was probably like last year was probably the most hyped game in NBA history as well at that point and, and lived up to it, frankly. So I am extremely fired up. Just a, a few notes on this game and this series. LeBron James just, again, was off the charts in this one. I mean, other than that game three when it, it appeared actually that he may have been sick that's what Richard Jefferson said later on this is one of the all-time greatest series that anyone has ever had I mean tonight 35 points 13 of 18 from the field eight assists eight rebounds three steals a block only two turnovers plus 36 in 35 minutes just a, a, an absolute tour de force Kyrie Irving continued his dominating play with 24 points on only 15 shots only got to the foul line twice it was just absolute complete dominance domination especially once we got into the third quarter and uh you know the, the Celtics just couldn't hang I mean it's really odd that they played better in Cleveland than they did at home but uh maybe that's just Cleveland playing better on the road uh Scott Van Pelt said on SportsCenter that Boston never led for a second in the garden during the, this series which is insane yeah I mean Cleveland just jumped on them early every single game it, it was pretty remarkable and the, I mean what was the latest we watched any Twitter NBA show like middle of the third quarter and those boston games like it was just at least at least we made it through the first half this time yeah we did and something else i want to mention because we've talked about this before but i just find it so interesting early on it was the kevin love show offensively he was shooting i think he had 10 points in like the first three four minutes of this game he ended the game with 15 points but was plus 43 in 27 minutes yeah and it was clear in this series that he had no problems at all guarding boston uh other than maybe just and he i don't even think he was really the problem during like that game and a half 
where they didn't guard the Celtics that well. It really was probably only uh, a full game, the second half of game three and the first half of game four. The versatility of his jump shot is really just ridiculous. Like he ran a four or five pick and roll and pulled up off the dribble going to his left. He replaced, he caught the ball, replaced to his right, takes a dribble to his right and hits that jumper like for a three going to your right as your power forward off the dribble. Like that is not something that guys his size can do. He dominates on the defensive glass. He was excellent on the offensive glass at times in the series when he he was asked to do that he basically killed their switches so badly that they then had to go to conventional pick and roll coverage on his pick and pops and they couldn't guard that either they just every time he was getting wide open finally they found a little bit of a solution it seemed like where they just had the next pass over guy come over and just grab love on that play and then have the guy guarding who was initially guarding love try to slide over to lebron james but they still gave up like a couple of quick buckets off of that coverage too you know when they just reversed the ball and got an open shot this team is just absolutely impossible to guard like boston tried everything they managed maybe three decent quarters of defense in the whole series and that this was a great defensive team once thomas went out too yeah, because they lost their weakest point and replaced him with not only a guy who could defend, but a guy who was fairly switchable and Marcus Smart, you know, who can handle a lot of different assignments. And Cleveland comes into the NBA Finals with the highest offensive rating ever for playoffs. And some of that is, you know, that they'll you usually facing harder teams as you go on. But when you have a 120 offensive rating through 14, 13 games, it's absolutely incredible. Yeah, and frankly, the one game they lost was just such an aberration as well. I will say this though, LeBron, this is now his seventh straight finals and that deserves a ton of credit especially just to simply not get injured seven years in a row in the playoffs you know i mean just that level and to maintain this level of production now basically as with a couple of years where it might have been questionable but he's maintained his position as the best player in the nba basically since 2009 almost uninterrupted uh absolutely remarkable and to still be doing this at age 32 where frankly he looks better than he did the last two playoffs at 30 and 31 uh but the historical record should note that they have never had to play anybody. I think in a, a good way to look at it is I think they have played one other team, and this is LeBron's teams, in the East Finals that, or at any point in the East playoffs that would have been a legitimate championship contender in that year, and that was the 2011 Bulls. Every other team that they've played would have just clearly gotten waxed by whoever it was in the West, even if they had managed to get by LeBron's team. I have no opposition to that statement whatsoever. None. I mean, and it, it, a lot of it also, you know, there were some other teams that got derailed by injuries. But even then, I mean, that Hawks team that won 60, they weren't, I, I didn't think of them as a spectacular playoff team. They had team a really either. bad point differential that they year. Did. Their point differential was like, you know, five and a half or something. And, and they, they played some dominating ball early in that season when they won like 17 straight. But by the time the playoffs rolled around, they, and, and I mean, you just saw they struggled for six games with Brooklyn and Washington. Washington, which were not great teams at all that year. So they were and that Cavaliers team really was probably the worst entrant that James has had in the finals um, when you consider that Love was out and Irving was was kind of hobbled. And, and they still made a quick work of the Hawks even before the Hawks started getting injured in that series. Anything else you feel like we need to discuss from Game 5? I think just Olenek clearly can't play against Cleveland. And that's something that we... He had a good Game 3, I realize that. But a lot of that was just because LeBron was so 
just slow in that game and, and didn't have his wind or wasn't attacking or whatever it was um other than that defensively he was just totally inadequate to deal with the shooting i mean even al horford who if you wanted to just pick any nba big man outside of draymond green who would who would have to guard this cleveland team he'd probably be in you know your top two or three even he just you know really struggled in this series i mean it's and it's also incredible that whenever they had jalen brown on the floor whenever it was or even like Marcus Smart, you know, on switches like this Cleveland team just picks at any mismatch so well. And they've started running some more in- intricate sets than they did, you know, back in 2015 when it was just let's throw it to LeBron and let him work when they didn't have anyone else on the team. But overall, they just put their players in great position. They have great shooting around them, and you just can't stop these guys. And it's it's pretty. They're not doing anything that's so incredible from an offense standpoint it's just all right you can't stop kevin love in the post you can't stop kevin love pick and pop you can't stop kyrie irving getting to the rim you can't stop him making ridiculous step backs and you sure as hell can't stop lebron james either it's really been incredible and so we'll get into boston in a second here but first uh, i want to give you a message from our friends at betterment i think a lot of our listeners based on the demographics that you guys were kind enough to fill out in that survey that you did are you know kind of starting off first job second job you know maybe around the time where you might be getting married starting to think about saving for retirement getting to the point where you're stable in your job and your life and and you want to really start building something financially and and betterment is a great way to get started with that it's lower cost automated investing there are no fees for individual transactions instead the way their pricing works is for their automated services it is only a 0.25% annual fee. Or you could go with their premium package, that requires a $100,000 minimum balance, but you can get a 0.5% annual fee there. You get all the benefits of the digital plan and you can get an unlimited number of calls with their team of uh, CFP professionals and licensed financial experts and get additional account monitoring by their team of licensed experts. And also you can get even a further discount on that because you can get up to six months of no fees on the digital plan, which doesn't have any minimum balance at all. So you can just get started with a very small amount. I mean, that's how you get started saving is you just you use what you can and you think that it doesn't seem like that much. But if you get into the habit of saving and you continue to do it and you invest, it adds up to something by the time you're ready to retire or ready to make a big purchase. You can get up to six months of no fees at that betterment.com slash cap space URL. Another thing they help with for saving an investment is a product called Smart Deposit, where you can set a preset amount in your checking account that if you exceed that you say all right i need five thousand bucks to live on anything above five thousand bucks in your checking account betterment will take it out and invest it for you with smart deposit on a weekly basis so once again the way to get started with betterment betterment.com slash cap space cap space easy to remember because we're about to talk about it for like hours (laughs) with this boston preview betterment.com slash cap space is that url all right buckle your seat belts here the boston celtics this is the summer it's finally going to come to fruition i think this summer where they've gotten the number one pick they still have this 2018 brooklyn pick they have all these guys on great contracts they can still create space for a max contract it's going to be awesome and i'm very excited to see what they can come up with why don't we just start here with what some of the likely cap scenarios are for them so 
one of the basic questions with them is, can they get to max space? And the answer is, yes, they can. But especially if it's getting to the, like the vet, we'll call it the Blake Griffin max, it's going to take a little bit of, a little bit of work that might cause some pain to them. Yeah, uh, the issue basically is, let's say they dump everyone that's essentially not tied down. So Amir Johnson, no cap hold. Tyler Zeller, 8 million non-guaranteed, you're cut or traded away for nothing. Jonas Jarebko, not coming back. Kelly Olenek, restricted free agent, $7.7 million cap hold. We're going to renounce your rights. James Young, adios. Demetrius Jackson, Jordan Mickey. Jackson is guaranteed 650000 but you can probably just trade that away for nothing. Those guys are gone. Gerald Green, not coming back. All right, that's not too painful, right? But you now only still have $27.1 million in space at that point. So that's when it gets more difficult. And the reason you only have $27.1 million is you got $7 million on the books for the number one overall pick. And then you've also got Gershon Yabisele, number 16 in 2016. It looks like they the plan is for him to be on the team this year. And he, he's already played some for the main Red Claws after his season in China was over. And then, and I don't know that they need Yabisele or he's ready to contribute yet. But, and, and if they were able to move on from him or for just another year, have him hold off. Or if they just wanted to relinquish his rights even, which you wouldn't think, they'd probably trade him or something instead. But uh, And maybe that's what they could do is just trade him for a future second round or something. I have no idea what his worth is at this point. But then the other guy that they really are going to need for next year as cheap labor is their number 23 pick in 2016, Ante Zizic. It's already been reported he'll be coming over. He's going to be making $1.6 million under the rookie scale. And this what's made their life a little more difficult is it used to be cap holds for rookies under the old CBA were 100% of the rookie scale. Now they're 100 20%. That's to prevent teams from kind of gaming the system because everyone signs for 120% of the rookie scale anyway. And also just to get these guys under contract early so they can go and play in summer league and there's no issues where they're kind of have to wait to do all this, all of their summer transactions and then sign their rookies last. Like they, you don't have to do that anymore. Uh, so I agree with that rule, but it does hurt the Celtics. Uh, and another thing that hurts the Celtics is that they have upped the minimum salary and thus the empty roster charge is now 800,000. So even if you're going to knock off someone like Demetrius Jackson who's due to make 1.4 million you only get 600,000 in savings from doing that Mickey due to make 1.3 million same thing so actually I think that I, I probably should update that because he's a little bit below the minimum I, mean, I forgot to update him anyway so you only got 27 million even then if you move on from Terry Rozier and Yabusele trade those guys away you're still not there you're still only at 27.9 and the max for hayward or for blake griffin is 30.3 so you're still not there and you don't have any other little salaries after that your next biggest your next smallest salary is marcus smart at 4.5 and then you got jay crowder 6.8 thomas 6.2 Avery Bradley, 8.8, and then Horford making 27. Amazing that they'll have this roster with nobody making in double digits. Uh, That's how they have this space. Just incredible contracts that they've got these guys with. And there's, I don't know if it's not irony, but it's whatever is kind of similar to that, that the Warriors were probably the team that the CBA was designed to curtail, but they're not going to be affected by these rules nearly as much as the Celtics are. And the Celtics, you could say, they're building the team to rival the Warriors, and they're actually going to be limited by this more as they move forward. And yeah, it's entirely possible that you could see 
Gordon Hayward or Blake Griffin take a small cut. We've seen that happen before, but it gets into this idea where the Celtics can clear the space. It's just going to be, it's going to be challenging. And then the other thing you have to remember is that one of the ways that the Celtics could really go after this and get really special is that they could sign that player and then trade for somebody else who's really good. And you just have to also think about, well, what's left if they're going to do that? Because by the chronology and by the trade rules, you would want to make the trade, even if you agreed to it first, you'd want to make the trade second. And some of the guys that you'd want in that trade are the guys that you just cut to clear the space. So if they're going to get to max space, now they could get bailed out. The cap is currently projected at 101 million. If that goes up, 30% of any cap increase is taken up by an increase in the max salary for the guy you want to bring in. But nonetheless, you know, if it comes in at like 103 or something, that makes your life a lot easier. Right. And that, but, that's something to yeah. watch. Sorry, go yeah, ahead. So, so probably what's going to have to happen is I think they got to trade Marcus Smart if they're going to get to max space. Like that's basically your, your, he's the least valuable guy to me. His bird rights, he, you know, he's going to be restricted next year, but I don't see him ever being a good enough offensive player to be a starter. And I love his defensive versatility to be sure but you know i'm not sure that he like is a player that's like indispensable for you especially if you're getting a star in free agency and and we'll talk more about that aspect as well or you you could also try to trade avery bradley or jay crowder if you're getting a small forward maybe you could finally trade small for big i'm sure there'd be plenty of people who'd be willing to do that uh for crowder um or just you know would be willing to give up like a pretty good draft pick so you basically would have to take on a future draft pick if you're trading away smart and, and that's you know an interesting thought of like what is smart's trade value with one year to go before restricted free agency probably not going to get a first rounder unless it's maybe from a really good team uh and because i don't think anyone envisions him as a future starter at the point necessarily so you know you're probably getting like a second rounder back for him maybe a good maybe a good second rounder what do you think about that i think that's reasonable i haven't looked into for this year obviously i know but for future years who has picks for various good teams because that's the other logical one is like you know if because does Atlanta have Cleveland no they don't have Cleveland's pick next year it's two years away so because yes. otherwise it would have been the Stepien rule named after their former owner but those sorts of things would be the, the nicest ones because then it could be a team that's in a different place but it's a low value I I'd thrown Utah's pick into a million Utah's owning of the Warriors pick into a million fake trades that never happened but that's an interesting one and, and also like I see personally I see Marcus Smart because I define players more by who they defend I see him as more more of a wing and they're yeah, almost but he can definitely guard point guards really well too sure, so I, sure. I, yeah. yeah but what i'm getting at is you're also functionally going to be probably replacing him with one of the two moves because if you're gonna if you're gonna add somebody maybe not the signing if that's blake griffin but probably the trade if you're trying to get paul george or jimmy butler you're probably getting a guy who's going to squeeze him out of the rotation yeah utah actually for the number 30 pick might not be completely insane if utah loses like george hill and i mean that would be hilarious though because I actually it would be completely insane because that would be allowing Boston to open up the space to potentially sign Gordon Hayward from Utah but maybe uh there could be a, a transaction made there once if it becomes clear that Hayward says he's going to leave and, and Boston has to open up the space like that's probably what's going to happen they probably won't trade smart until they have a commitment and they know that smart is a value contract like you can easily get off of that money if you want to so let's say that they bring they're able to bring in <clears throat> gordon hayward uh that's going to be their number one target i think we we both agree that he is really the only player on the market who's likely to change teams that you know would really has a decent chance of being a good contract if he signs for the max and for the record that would be a four-year 
$130.3 million contract. He probably would want to get a three plus one, and then he could get back on the market when he has 10 years of experience and hopefully would still be good enough to get, if not the 35% max, he could get either a four or five year deal at close to that. Uh, He would still only be 30 at that point. He's 27 right now, right in his prime. So, and, and, and that's got to be terrifying for Utah because Utah can't really, if that's what he wants to do, Utah can't really offer him that much money. It's only like a difference of like, you know, a million bucks or two million bucks over the course of the first three years of the contract. That's actually a piece I'm working on for the sporting news and and had not told you that I was working about is the idea of how the first couple of years of those contracts are there. And also the other reason why Gordon Hayward is so fascinating for the Celtics is that he doesn't force them to pick a timeline necessarily, because while he's very good right now, there is reason to believe that two years from now, if that's when, you know, the number one pick and the Nets pick maybe, and just whatever else they're going to do, those guys will Jaylen be Brown. Jalen Brown, those guys will be coming into it. He'll still be really good. And when, instead of like maybe Blake Griffin, or if they wanted to theoretically go after Al Horford's former teammate, Paul Millsap, those guys are probably going to be worse than they are now in a meaningful way. Whereas Hayward will probably be similar, if not, maybe even a little better. So Let's say they sign Hayward. Then, to me, the idea of trading for, not trading Marco Fultz for it, who's the number one pick, but uh, I, we assume that he's going to be the number one pick. I think that's probably going to be the case. Not trading him, but maybe just throwing most of the rest of your ammo into that trade. They have that pick from the Nets next year. They have a 2019 Memphis pick that is top eight, top six, and then unprotected over the next three years, becoming unprotected in 2021. They have all their own future first rounders after this year they swap it this year with the nets they've got yabusele they've got jalen brown still uh they've got a 2019 clippers first that's lotto protected for two years and then becomes a second so they've got a lot of ammo maybe not quite as much as the sixers at this point but i guess when you consider the guys on the roster they probably do just a quick aside though danny would you consider jalen brown or that 2018 nets pick the more valuable asset i haven't spent too much time with that draft class yet but i think i'd rather have jalen right now just because you don't know exactly what the Nets are going to be next year. They could spend a little bit. I mean, if they stay healthy, if they were pretty solid when they had Jeremy Lin and Brooke Lopez together. So you have that. And I want to mention one other thing, just because I love this. So the Memphis and Clippers picks that they have, which could start in 2019, both of those picks were acquired in trades involving Jeff Green. And it's they were in <laughs> trades involving Jeff Green that were 18 months apart, because one was the trade where they where Boston actually traded Jeff Green to the, to the Memphis Grizzlies. Oh no, there is less than 18 months apart. It was like a year apart. Well, no, because what I'm getting at is because the second one was during the draft, actually. So what happened was... Oh, 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 okay. Because yeah, this... Yeah, because eventually... The, yeah. Yeah, that's right. So, okay. yeah. So then the Clippers traded that pick to Memphis for Jeff Green in that ill-fated Lance Stevenson trade. And then they traded that pick on draft night to Boston for, I believe it was two seconds that they ended up using one on Deontay Davis. And then the other one was on... Or was that the win? Was that the... Yeah, ball no, win? it was Davis Davis and... Um, uh, Raid Zagorac. Zagorac. Rade Zagorac, I think, yeah. 35 pick in 2016. Um, so yeah, they have a lot of ammo. And I think among all those things, you know, there certainly would be plenty of haggling over the price. They certainly would have enough to get Paul George, I think, and probably Jimmy Butler as well. Those You would think that those teams would now, with the idea that, hey, we're, you really need this guy to con- to contend for a championship, and I don't know if you can do it with just Gordon Hayward, that they would definitely, there would be a very, very interesting negotiation 
negotiation. And maybe that even wouldn't happen until the trade deadline. And because they would have to waive Zeller, though, you would have to get aggregate together basically for both those guys between 13 and 13 and 15 million dollars of salary to get either of them next year so that means you probably have to trade like jay crotter and avery bradley to make the math work smart's already gone in this scenario or you'd have to throw in jalen brown is making five million next year um and then two other guys but yeah it would probably be crotter and bradley or maybe thomas if they wanted thomas but you would think crotter would be the guy that they would really want there um who's on a longer term contract bradley doesn't really do a ton but then maybe bradley could be flipped into a third team or something like that um and then the the assets that you know don't cost anything on the cap that's probably what such a deal would have to look like but let's say they're able to do a deal like that right here's what your team looks like at point guard you got isaiah thomas and marco fultz you're probably playing paul george or jimmy butler whichever the two you get at shooting guard small forward you've got gordon hayward We've also got Jalen Brown still. It would hurt them though because to have to trade away just to match the salary. I guess the other thing they could do too is if if they waited until the trade deadline, it, they could p- throw in guys that they signed with like the room exception and some other minimum contracts that they signed to, to get above the cap. So maybe they'd be able to hold on to one of Bradley or Crowder if they could just aggregate enough kind of BS salary together um, or even just do some trades to get some more salary on. So maybe they could hold on to one of Bradley or Crowder if they just threw in more or in, in terms of draft picks i'd probably want to hold on to crowder just because he's under contract for longer bradley expires in, in 2018 as we know and then you still got al horford you've got ante zizic you might have the guy that you signed for the room exception so that team could that i mean that's an absolutely loaded team obviously can that team beat the cleveland cavaliers i think they can beat the cleveland cavaliers but healthy versus healthy i'm not sure they're favored to beat the warriors i don't even know if they i mean if if the cavaliers are as good this next year as they were this year which you would think they probably wouldn't be james has got to start taking a step back someday we say that every year and it hasn't been true yet really but uh yeah i mean i think that would be a dog fight with the Cavs. they'd probably have home court advantage which means absolutely nothing apparently <laughs> uh but yeah yeah that would be i mean just a monster loaded team and you know it would be expensive and then you'd run into having to re-sign thomas or bradley you probably wouldn't end up re-signing thomas you would imagine then they just turn over the keys to Fultz, and then it'd be probably try to re-sign bradley at that point but man what an absolute monster team that could be and there's a lot of back of the envelope calculations like a lot of things could change there uh your mileage may may vary a little bit but i, I think most of pretty much everything we're discussing like is somewhat legal and like somewhat realistic let's get to the debate though that you and i had during the tour nba show today that i thought was really interesting i was saying that if they don't get gordon hayward that they should absolutely for sure sign blake griffin to a four-year max contract same thing 30 percent max uh, uh starting at 30.3 million four years 130 million you are saying they should not why do you think they shouldn't do that it all ties in with what your goal is and to me the goal for the boston celtics considering how high they are unless ownership just wants to be competitive for a long time and if that's the case i'm not going to blame them but the goal is to win championships and we just talked about how that team with Gordon Hayward they're going to be in a dogfight with Cleveland and with the Warriors to really compete and that's about as close as you can get to a best case scenario in the near term and for 99% of teams that have existed in NBA history you take that and you run no team in modern times has had that combination 
with the possibility of the other assets they have. And so to me, what you're doing by taking Blake Griffin, who is a very good player, but I think is just not at that kind of a caliber, is you're committing yourself to a time frame of probably the next two to three years where you're going to be very good. You might even pull a championship there, but I don't think you're really going to get into dynasty contention and you're giving up the pieces that would, except for Markel Fultz, presumably, or whoever they take number one, that will really lead you in that direction. So that team has an expiration date. And why I said the thing about Gordon Hayward that I did earlier is that I think that doesn't necessarily apply to him. I think his game's going to age better. So to me, the Celtics future is so bright that I wouldn't constrain it really at all. Like, I I don't think that they need to do that. I don't think that they should do that unless, unless they could get to something even better than we conceived of. And wait, so, so are you talking about this? I mean, we're saying this is before you make another move to get Butler or George or some other trade target with those assets. So I'm just saying, you know, just you've got the cap space, all you're giving up to sign Griffin basically is you'd still have to probably move Marcus Smart. Um, so, so that's, but you're saying if you're just all you're doing is signing him regardless of whether you're then making the move for butler or george or not um which i think you could still do very easily well, i think you i think you're saying to you do still that. wouldn't do it then yeah correct because what it's doing is it's it's connecting you to that core it's not just blake griffin if you do that move you're also re-signing isaiah thomas in all likelihood you're also re-signing if you can keep avery bradley probably doing it that way and so my idea is that the team is going to get very expensive and we argued actually on the twitter nba show a little bit about the idea of oh they probably wouldn't do that much with 2018 space. And I I think that there is some merit to that. The year that I actually think is more interesting for the Celtics, if they go the route that I'm, I don't want to go that I'm arguing for it, but that I think is is probably the most prudent path is 2019. So 2019, they'll still have Jay Crowder on a cheap contract, which is just ridiculous. Jalen Brown hasn't, he could be, he's extension eligible, but he's still on a rookie scale contract. Number one pick this year on, on, on that, whatever the Nets pick is. And by that point, they'll have incorporated or done whatever with maybe with the Memphis pick and the Clippers pick. We'll see. That year you're looking something more like what the Spurs are going to look at next year with Kawhi and while who knows if any of the Clippers guys end up as good as they are you are the destination at that point and if they can hit on like even like one or two of these picks then they're in the conversation then when the Warriors are older they're probably aging out the Cavs have almost definitely aged out and it's just basically you and whoever else gets like an MVP caliber player in the next two years well what are you doing in the interim between 2018 and now like are you just going to not re-sign Thomas or Bradley at that point Bradley's an Al open... Horford as a player option that year he'll probably take that player option I would imagine sure actually, and and million. at that point you can either you can either you, you could keep him you could trade him you could stretch him whatever like that's at 30 million for one year is not nearly as big a deal and Al Horford we both feel is going to be a productive player so isaiah i do not want to give him his next contract just at especially not with boston's yeah. future i don't want to give him that next contract so yeah i i probably would be and then if you're thinking about it this way then yeah if you can get a good offer you consider trading him as well i don't think that's mandatory we talked about this again on the twitter show that i think they're good enough that they don't giving him away or letting him walk for nothing is not a big deal avery bradley i think there's a chance that you could get him at a reasonable number hopefully something where he could where he could pass the nene test so he's so he's a net asset if not then maybe you consider it but they have enough that i'm okay with that and it's crazy to say that because i love both of those guys i mean i don't love isaiah as much as some people but i still really respect he had a, an absolutely a, unbelievable year Avery bradley is one of the best man-to-man defenders in the entire league but they can be something else and by that point by especially this is another where the rubber meets the road question is by the time they have to really make those decisions about bradley and about isaiah they'll have a much 
better idea of where they are with the young guys and where they are in terms of that Nets pick. And so maybe at that point, they're going to go, well, crap, we're not as that those aren't as valuable as we thought they were. Marco Fultz isn't working out. You can make that. You can make that decision later. But once you sign Blake Griffin, you cast that die. It's done. Yeah, I really don't see the opportunity cost to signing Griffin. Like it's two years from now, guys who in free agency and free agency isn't what it used to be now at the designated veteran extension. I'm not even sure who's going to be a free agent in 2019. I guess John Wall, he's probably going to resign in, in Washington. Uh, and so the pitch is, and you're basically, what you're doing is you say, all right, two years from now, we'll be about where we are this year in terms of cap space, except we won't be as good because you're just going to be joining a bunch of guys on rookie contracts who are still pretty young that's your pitch you don't know who else is going to be out there with space at that point al horford is two years older this is a conference finals team right now like i would be very surprised if even two years from now if they have space that a a free agent of blake griffin's caliber and yes believe me i realize his flaws we'll get to that would be available and b would be willing to sign there i think if blake griffin wants to come there you sign him because there isn't that much opportunity cost they're going to be capped out in 2018 I mean, they've also like they've got this number one pick who's going to be making like almost 10 million a year. They've got all these other draft picks are going to be coming in that Brooklyn pick, even if it's projected at number five, that's another five million. So the most cap space that they could have next summer in 2018 is not very much. You could get to 33 million if you don't resign smart don't resign Bradley don't resign Thomas and 33 million is not really any more than you have this year uh when you consider all the draft picks that they're going to have that they're going to be bringing into the fold as well this is the year that they have space and if you don't sign Griffin then what is your alternative plan over the next two years you're just going to not sign everybody exclusively on one or two year contracts between now and 2019 and you're going to let Thomas and Bradley go maybe I mean I, I just there's not really any opportunity cost to me to signing Griffin even if you say hey there's only a 15% chance that we get like even for a year or two the Blake Griffin who's a, a dominant player I still think that that he really helps them he and Al Horford would be a wonderful uh, passing skilled front court that could switch on to just about anybody next year I think that Griffin is actually a pretty good matchup against Cleveland like because the way the league has evolved Griffin is actually a much better defensive player than back when he was expected to protect the rim more as a power forward now his ability to move his feet on the perimeter and be strong and switch is actually pretty valuable um and then you still whether you make the move then afterwards for paul george or jimmy butler or not you still have used that space on something because yeah i realize that griffin is not going to be a good contract by the end neither is al horford you already got him i mean that, that that's part of this timeline already and but then nobody else that you sign who's below griffin in the hierarchy those guys are going to be even worse contracts if you expect them to be good enough that they're actually going to make a difference for for you over the next two years so i really i think you got to use that space on hayward or griffin uh and i think we've argued enough about that but let's say neither of those guys wants to come then what the hell is your plan that's where to me it gets like really interesting and i think it's a likelihood that neither of those guys ends up coming i think that then you're kind of in line i think the the difference between us is that i see the blake griffin idea is pretty close to what i see the idea that neither of them goes which is basically just you kind of you get more patient with it you try to get value contracts i mean there are 
are going to be other players, but I mean, I, I, I know you like Danilo Gallinari. I do too when he's healthy, but I don't think no, I want to give him his defensively. Next... Exactly. Yeah, no way. Like, I don't, I don't want to give him the contract to be on this team and there will be values this year. That's one of the big differences between this year and last year, but there aren't necessarily going to be values for guys who are going to be either starting or in the rotation for a championship yeah. aspirational team. Yeah. I, I mean, and we know who you have to be to be a championship team, Cleveland and Golden State. If your guy cannot both shoot reasonably well and stay on the floor defensively, which means a lot of switching, means being able to cover three-point shooters, means being able to credibly switch onto LeBron probably, uh, hopefully can provide some more on offense too because they didn't, they weren't good enough offensively in this series. If you the guy in question can't do that, he's of no use to this Celtics team uh, at all. You know, which is that's part of why I think Olenek, you know, maybe a sign and trade for Olenek might be in the cards. You could get, hopefully get something for him. But, you know, I, I think he's a quality player for 25 of the NBA's teams. But if you're really trying to play in this stratum, uh, which by all accounts they are, he's not doing you any good on your roster, I don't think. And that should also even apply to the higher end guys in your bench rotation. Like that that could end up being a challenge. Yeah, there are, absolutely. And so, the you know, then you're, because the Celtics are going to need guys there too. They have a lot of good draft picks coming in, but you're going to need that that sort of an asset. It's also part of the reason why I, I don't love Yabusele for the Celtics, because I don't think he has a place in those kinds yeah. of series. But he could he, be he useful for can, another team. He actually can switch a little bit better uh, than people realize. And sure. even Zizic, you know, might, might not work either. But yeah, I mean, I agree. He's, and he's not like, you know, Mr. Intelligence defensively. But I mean, he's he's an asset. He's on a cheap contract. You can bring him in and see how he works out. And even if he's only, you know, plays some minutes in the regular season, like then he, he's he's useful. So, but let's see here, right? The, I'm going to list off all the players in free agency that I think could actually be in their rotation and help you. Paul Millsap, number one, they're not going to be able to afford him at the 30, 35% max. Then you've got to move on from probably even more people. You probably got to move another guy as well. And Millsap, I think, would help this year, but we see now the, the combo of he and Horford does against Cleveland, and now those guys are going to be older. And that's, that's a contract that really, you know, has just, it is going to be like, you know, Millsap is probably gonna, not even going to be a starter three years from now. Whereas, I mean, at least Griffin, to me, like, I understand he could get injured. That's a huge risk. But if he's not injured, I think he'll at least be a quality player who can be a starter for you over the course of that four-year deal, which I'm not even sure anyone else could be. So like Taj Gibson, that's going to be a bad contract, you know, unless you can just get him for like a year or two, like really overpay for a year or two. But again, overpaying for a year or two, that doesn't get you anywhere because it's not like you can use that space afterwards if you're keeping any of these guys around. And you can always just like totally rebuild like three years from now or four years from now even because you still have all these young guys under contract. So Taj Gibson, not really interested in giving him three years or four years. Patrick Patterson might be a guy, again, that you could overpay for. But like if you if you think that Patterson is going to help you more than Griffin or if you get two Patrick Patterson level guys that that helps you more than Griffin, you know, I really, I just don't see that at, at all, right? Uh and again, you know, this is a false choice because I don't think Griffin is coming. But all right, so Gibson, Patterson, all right, those guys can help a little bit. Dwayne Dedman might be a guy who just gives them a little more shot blocking. But again, you know, can he play big minutes against Golden State or Cleveland? I'm skeptical. And then you get to some of these wing guys, too. Yeah, the wing guys is is kind of in some ways even more depressing because some of the players who possibly could are restricted and they're not going to move. So we don't need to talk about KCP. KCP could, but he's not going to be in it. And then the other kind of starting caliber wings are terrifying for their own reasons. Iguodala is getting older, you know, we dealing with yeah. dealing with knee soreness. Wade is probably going to opt in, not really a fit for this series. Redick, same issue. So then you're talking more in the like James Johnson, PJ Tucker type realm, and those guys are specialists. Those guys are not 
starters probably at this level. They're more, you know, coming in when they do it. And both those guys, you know, have have challenges guarding Cleveland in particular just because the versatility and the athleticism that's there and their offensive limitations. Yeah. You know, actually, I think could be kind of useful for them would be Dion Waiters. Yeah. Like just to give them give a little more shot creation. Um he you knows know, Kyrie both Waiters well. and James Johnson. Yeah, 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 I guess that's right. You know, Omri Caspi maybe, although he could be slowing down to the point where he can't even hang defensively against some of these guys. Maybe you could just go with like total defensive specialists like a Lukamba Mute or something like that. Iguodala, it would take, I mean, you would think just a massive offer to get him away from Golden State. And it'd be nice to have him, but, uh, you know, I think he's really going to decline offensively. He's 33. You know, I mean, how, how many years of that contract is he going to be like, you, you know, a quality defensive stopper? still and, and can it be relied on to be healthy at the end of the year we're starting to wonder about that now you know tabo cephalosha pj tucker like again those guys you really just there aren't a lot of great options if they strike out on those first two superstars their other option of course would be that they then just trade for maybe not even jimmy butler but may, you know maybe they would trade for like a jimmy butler and give up some assets there and then they might even trade someone like yabusele and someone else just to get another kind of starter level of player who's still under contract you know a will and Chandler type of guy something like that um would be someone that you that you could think about who could help and give them some more depth maybe in addition to having gotten Butler or George uh but you know I think even for for George you know that that Brooklyn pick I don't know it's interesting we've talked about this many times but would you trade that Brooklyn pick for a year of Paul George not unless I got some sort of indication that he would be willing to come back and they can't give him the designated veteran thing so that's in in some ways that helps because that makes it a more reasonable contract after we have this discussion I want you to indulge me for one small thing I have a question for you well so the other thing too is if we're thinking about just the value for guys who are in the last year of their contract think about for example the Nikola Batum trade. He's a guy who's a starter coming off a down year though in Portland. It was under contract for like 10 million. But then there was also some hope that he could re-sign in Charlotte, which I think with George there would there's less hope certainly than they had for Batum re-signing because Batum, these mid-level guys, it almost sometimes makes more sense to trade for them because you can overpay them and still think that you can get them if you have their bird rights, and especially if you're one of these teams that never gets free agents anyway, like Charlotte. Um and they eventually, of course, were able to retain Batum. We'll see how well that ends up working out. But, you know, they traded Vonley, who was the number eight pick the year before. Uh, if you want to just kind of calibrate some value there, um, that Nets pick clearly more valuable than Noah Vonley was at that time. George, obviously more valuable, but there's also less of a chance that he stays. If you're talking about a pure rental, now you're thinking more, you know, a, a draft pick that's hopefully not in the top five. But your other problem is you can't really protect that pick because there's nothing to replace it if it doesn't go that year and that's too risky for your chicago or for your uh for indiana so maybe you know butler maybe you do trade that nets pick or or maybe jalen brown has shown enough that you could make the trade for him i thought he was pretty good offensively in this series looked bad defensively um so yeah we're we're rambling here a little bit but okay what did you want to say i want to ramble your your next thing okay so that's that's we're here for it's fine this is this is a a thing that i and fully admit is is not going to happen but i think it's a good thought experiment you and i have talked openly about how we don't think isaiah's next contract is going to be a good one so if you were given both the gm spot and immunity from criticism or job or job security issues if gordon hayward said no would you consider giving one of the guys in this loaded point guard class their next contract and move isaiah
Isaiah basically as an asset play to say, hey, I would rather have Drew Holiday or there are are a bunch of different guys, Drew Holiday, Chris Paul, George Hill, Jeff Teague, give them their next contract instead of giving Isaiah his. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure that they would make like slight contact with Chris Paul. Uh, Doubt that he would be interested, but you know, maybe Kyle Lowry, I would not be interested in him. Uh, No, I mean, I think here's the thing. None of those guys are as good as Isaiah next year. You've already got Marco Fultz waiting in the wings, hopefully ready to just take over as the starting point guard when Isaiah leaves. But for next year, I mean, they made it to the Eastern Conference Finals. I realized they had no shot whatsoever against Cleveland, but they still made it to the Eastern Conference Finals. They made a lot of money <laughs> by making it that far, you know, that extra home game. You know, this is a, a team that's been starved for playoff success. It's a good market. They get better TV ratings. I don't know what their TV deal is, but certainly it, it can't hurt for the next time. If you look at like, you know, whatever their like five-year average is when they're negotiating their next TV deal, that's that's got to help. Sweet renewals, season ticket renewals, all that stuff, important. And especially even to just be good next year to get renewals for the year after that. You know, this is a business. And just making it to the second round or the Eastern Conference Finals, like that's worth something. And for whatever you're going to trade Thomas for, maybe, I mean, again, if you look at Batum as a as a potential analog and you're going to trade him for a pick in the last year of his contract and then hope that that team can over, if they want to overpay and re-sign him potentially, you know, like the same way that Charlotte did with Batum. You know, maybe you get a lower end lotto pick. They've got so many picks already. Does that really help you that much going into the future? I think you just, Thomas is worth more to the Celtics than any other team because he can help them get back into that same level, even though he's probably not going to be as good next year, especially if he has to have hip surgery. But there's no other team that's going to get him. And now they're going to be in the conference finals. Right. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, I guess like the only team I would think about seriously, maybe adding him. Uh, what about the Bucks? That'd be fun. Like who? Who could? I mean, they they have what seventeen this year. I mean, I don't think they have the ammo to do it though. Like who? They don't have anyone who's going to be worth it. I mean, maybe what if like like they could trade like Chris Middleton for him or something? I don't know if I, I don't even think you'd include that. Thon, right? No, no, I don't, I don't think I would because again, the Bucks timeline. I mean, you get you get it, and now you just get for the right to be where Boston was this year, and then you lose him, or you gotta pay him a crap load of money. And they, we talked the other day about their luxury tax concerns as well. If they had to pay Isaiah Thomas twenty five million a year, they're they're in big trouble. Maybe they could you know get work it out where Boston would take back a little money from them or something to, to facilitate that. But, you know, they could. That's a team that really though could take a major step forward this year if they had Isaiah. But I don't think they had have the assets to do it. I mean, maybe they could do this year's first rounder and like, you know, their 2018 first rounder and swap right or 2019 first rounder and swap rights in, in 2018, you know, maybe something like that could get it done. Uh, but that's still, you know, you only got the guy for one year. He's 29. He's not on the timeline with the rest of these guys. So I don't know if even a team like that, that really needs someone who can attack at point guard, um, you know, or like Chicago, they don't have the assets to do it either. Like all their young guys are garbage um, or at least have been so far in their careers. Well, so I'll give my answer to my own hypothetical. And and my answer is that it changed when they got the number one pick. If they had gotten three or four, I would have considered something like that because you don't know what you're going to have at point guard. But now they can get somebody, whoever it is, whoever they feel, the best guys in this draft, it looks so far like those guys are point guards. You already have your answer to that question. So you don't need to worry about the other one. Anything else we can say about these guys? Uh, their off season that, that really has been 
coming to mind i mean so i mean let's just do, let's do a prediction here i mean we predict they're going to draft marco fultz out they're going to trade him what would you say their chances are no, no inside info just guessing of getting gordon hayward 40 percent. yeah certainly making it to the conference finals though they obviously got worked getting the number one pick saying hey you know you can grow with this guy as well for the, the rest of your career they have brad stevens that seems about right to me especially because there's a possibility that hayward especially having seen how well getting a three plus one worked out for him last time you know he's not going to have fear of doing that uh and he also still has some scars from utah not being a great environment the, the ty corbin show not getting a good offer and ending up having to get that three plus one and restricted free agency that utah matched all that certainly so yeah i'd say 40 percent is good uh what about uh blake griffin well if, actually can i make one more point him? on gordon hayward so yeah. why i think boston has a better chance than some people may think is that there is an argument they can make that is actually better than the jazz which is that if you want to be competitive especially now they got the number one pick if you want to be on a team that is a title contender you have a better shot with us than you do with your current team the money will be close and anytime a team can make that argument with especially with a younger star i think that you have to give them a respectable shot yeah i think that's absolutely right like they to me have a better chance especially when you consider the, the uncertainty with george hill as well right like what happens if george hill leaves now gordon hayward's gonna be like well who the hell is our point guard we're gonna we're gonna go right back to winning 40 games again which they wouldn't but it might seem that way well, and and the uncertainty with their ownership group are we sure they're going to go into tax oblivion to keep that team together yeah i mean it really all depends i think my understanding is on on how much they make you know they're they pour the profits back in in so I, you know i think they could go it like low into the tax potentially uh but and they wouldn't have to do it probably next year at least it would be that then you know favors could be a free agent and do they believe in dante x and all this there's a lot of uncertainty with the jazz as well and, and they'd be a lot better off certainly if they had gordon hayward under contract for another year and it just ponied up a little bit more than they did uh, that fateful off season of, of 2014 so no i think that, that's a great point like the, i mean i think boston does have a better argument there uh especially if they can acquire him and then also say hey you know what our plan is we're gonna go out and trade for paul george and jimmy butler we got this deal set up right now you come here you're gonna get to play with that guy too yeah, i mean they could have they could have four all-stars next year starting well obviously starting so all right let's say hayward doesn't come what, what about uh blake griffin what are the chances they get him i want to say 10 percent, but it's probably higher than that just because the clippers can make it can offer him more money in a way that could matter to blake i think that fifth year is different for him than it is for gordon hayward sure and i think he really likes being in la you know all that kind of stuff i and, and he's he's had a very different experience than gordon hayward has and also boston you know it's it's different i mean and if chris paul's coming back which we don't know of course for sure but they're not they might not be championship contender but they'll still be a team that'll be enjoyable to be on yeah and blake griffin unlike hayward uh as an eight and four guy hayward only has uh played seven years uh griffin as an eight and four guy could get a no trade clause which uh i mean i think that's something maybe that's where the negotiations break down i would imagine that if they offer him the absolute full boat four plus one full max no trade clause chris paul also going to stick around for that same contract uh five-year max no trade clause then yeah griffin probably signs that if they don't offer him that then maybe that's where it gets a, a little bit more dicey and i don't know if they do offer him that we'll see um all right one more dumb thought exercise here because we're still spending more time on this 
we've talked about this a little bit on the lottery i think that boston could still explore i mean not could but should still explore the idea of trading the number one pick for anthony davis i don't think new orleans does it they would probably have to throw in the brooklyn pick as well to even get them to start listening but i would at least make that call i absolutely would make that call i mean anthony davis still super young and yes you do have the durability issues with him which is certainly a concern but I mean, he was an MVP, well, not a, like an MVP winning candidate, but he was an MVP, you know, top five candidate a couple of years ago. He's still only 24 years old. He still has plenty of team control and they wouldn't be able to offer him a designated veteran contract, but they could still offer him more money than anyone else and they would still be damn good. Yeah. And you just, I don't think that Mark L. Fultz is like an absolute sure thing. Like we said it on our preview, I think he's well worthy of the number one pick. Like the talent is clearly there, but you know, he does have some stuff to clean up. I'm not saying he's going to be like, an absolute surefire superstar he doesn't run it into that category for me um but i think the pelicans would ultimately say no to that if only because you know they just traded for cousins that was like the linchpin deal for Dems. i mean probably what you would do if you made that deal is you trade away cousins as well and see see what you can get for him uh which is probably less than you sent out i would imagine so but maybe you could get more because you wouldn't have his agent saying, hey, you know, we're not going to resign anywhere because he was trying to, the, the agency was trying to torpedo his value because he wanted the designated veteran. Now that that's not available anymore, maybe you could trade Cousins, but not sure exactly who wants Cousins, to be honest. Uh, we would have to think about that pretty seriously. But now we're really into the weeds. Uh, but I highly doubt Dems would do that because, you know, of his perpetual job status. And, and when we do New Orleans preview, which we prepared for, but we're not going to have time for today, we'll get to that next week. Uh, we can talk a little bit more about precisely what the consequences of that have been for the new orleans franchise to have dell dumps on thin ice basically every year since like 2011 i feel like at some point we should try to it doesn't have to be on the show we should try to concoct what we think would be like an, a reasonable return for anthony davis because it's incredible but i actually think boston has the assets whether they have the stomach for it or something else all right that'll do it for today please check out betterment betterment.com slash cap space let them know that you came from us and our patreon subscribers as well we appreciate everyone who's subscribed to that be posting of course the salary sheets i did some very extensive scenarios here for boston that i'm going to post it on patreon that uh, were the basis for this and the way to subscribe there patreon.com slash duncan the and we will be doing twitter nba show at least for the cleveland games in the nba finals possibly for more than that that remains to be seen uh, but thanks so much again for all your support and we will catch you all next time till then at Amica Insurance, we know it's more than just a car. It's the two-door coupe that was there for your first drive. The hatchback that took you cross-country and back. And the minivan that tackles the weekly carpool. For the cars you couldn't live without, trust Amica Auto Insurance. Amica. Empathy is our best policy.